colleges, we need to look at everything, not just the name of the college, how reputable it is, but what college works for my child, and also look at the disability center. Transitions are so hard for parents, and whether it's the transition from preschool to elementary, elementary to middle school, and then middle school to high school, and then high school to college, it all feels so overwhelming. Well, we've got a wonderful expert today to share with us about if your child has a 504 or an IEP in high school how do we get support and accommodations in college? April Rarig is an advocate, a consultant. She's an IEP coach, and she is also a school psychologist by background. She's an amazing wealth of information. So I really hope that you appreciate this episode. Take notes, and we've got a lot of resources to share. Good morning, April. I am so glad that our paths have crossed because you are such a wealth of knowledge and you're passionate to serve and help in this community and you're a mom who gets it. So you know the value of your services and everything that you have studied, everything that you are giving out, you know, you know. So thank you, April, for being on the show and being a part of the We Are Brave community and being a part of our resource groups this year, offering your knowledge and expertise. I'm just really, really thankful. Thank you so much, Jessica. I'm so glad to be here. So today's topic is taking 504s and IEPs to college. And I know we've got our audience, there may be nobody really telling them this, their kid's senior year. Maybe nobody at school is really broaching this topic. And I know that universities aren't necessarily reaching out to parents either. So how do parents navigate this if they really want to see their kid get supports in college? Well, this is a wonderful topic, like you suggested, Jessica. And I can tell you from being a school psychologist for many, many years, especially working at the high school for the last 10 years, is so many IEPs, we would do the transition section of the IEP and parents' number one question is, well, what do I do for college? Like, great transition plan, but like, we're ending, like, we're finishing, like, what's going on? What's going to be next? And that's where I felt like the big gap in knowledge is. And you are absolutely right. Out there on the web, there's a few people talking about it, but there's not that many. And people in my profession as an advocate, there's even less of us. So I'm so glad I'm here, and I'm hoping that the, the topics and the information that I talk about is going to give all of you parents, providers, and caretakers, and students, I certainly hope that some of you students are listening, some information so that you can feel empowered and you can move forward with some tools and strategies for what you're going to do. Great. So in looking at federal law, there's definitely some differences between high school and college. So in the high school setting, we have three basic federal laws. We have IDEA, right? That's all the laws governing IEPs, which us parents know backwards and forwards or feel like we don't know and are just overwhelmed with. There's Section 504, the Rehabilitation Act, 
And there's also Americans with Disabilities Act. Those three laws govern us. And in high school, we also have what's called FAPE, right? Free Appropriate Public Education. That means that the school district is supposed to be finding a student's that have disabilities, being able to serve them, being able to provide all those services. The school district is in charge of ensuring that kids are getting the services they need. And then us parents are there trying to make sure, okay, did they do what they said they did? Did they do a right plan? So we're all kind of sitting together at that IEP table to make sure things are in place. In the college level, things are really different. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky. In the college level, we don't have IDEA. We don't have IEPs. We have the Americans with Disabilities Act, which makes sure that students are not discriminated against and there's equal opportunity for employment and access. And then we also have Section 504. The tricky part is how are they different? So like I said, in the high school setting, we have FAPE. We have it that the districts are supposed to tell the students and support the students, provide the services through that document of the IEP or the 504. But in the college setting, it's different. So when students apply for college, they first of all, they don't apply for a 504. They don't apply for an IEP. And those documents don't automatically transition over. They don't go at all. As a matter of fact, when you graduate from high school, all of the special education or any disability documents, the district cannot release it unless the student and the parents request it. So when you're applying for college and you're looking at the different colleges, one of the key important factors is to decide, okay, as a student, do I want to disclose that I have a disability? Do I want to access those services? And what I always tell families, and I can speak to this from being a parent too, is if you use those accommodations, if you use services in high school, why would you not use them in college? Why would you set yourself up? All of us know, us parents who've been to college, it's so much more than academics. It's about advocating for your needs, getting up in the morning, going to class, finding all those things and about the study skills and the study habits. We don't have mom or dad waking us up in the morning, get to class. We don't have mom or dad checking the grades. Did you turn this in? So that is the difference. And so ensuring that students are able to disclose the information is key. So the difference in the section 504 in the college, which does apply, is that in order to be eligible at the college level for a section 504 is the students need to disclose, like I said, they also need to apply to the disability center. And so what that means is the students are going to be either 18 or closely to be 18. And so parents can no longer call the disability center once the student is the age of majority and say, hey, did you get the IEP documents? Hey, are you getting those accommodations? The student has to do everything. And this is why it's really important for your listeners, especially those that are in even middle school or beginning high school to know this is where we need to be. This is why my kid needs to be at that IEP and really understand the documents. So when they're applying to college, they know, okay, I get these accommodations in high school on my 504 or my IEP. 
And when I apply to the disability center, now that I've been accepted into college, I kind of know what accommodations work for me. And so they apply at the college setting for those accommodations. And once they apply, then the college will get back to them and say, okay, give me all the um, documents that you need. So one of the documents that the college will need is called the summary of performance. And that's kind of your final IEP when you're in high school. It looks a little different than the old ones. It has information there in terms of the student's strengths and weaknesses, what accommodations would benefit them from college. Then the other things that the college will need will be the last psychoeducational report. They're gonna wanna see some IQ testing in there or at least cognitive measures. And then they'll also want to see what the academics were looking like. And the reason why they want to see that is they want to see, okay, is this student going to be able to access the curriculum? And that's the other part of 504 that gets a little bit different at college. What I mean is that at the college level, in order to be eligible for a 504 is that the accommodations that the colleges can offer are just accommodations. They're not going to be offering services. They're not going to be offering a paraeducator. They're not going to be offering a key point person or what I used to call a case carrier to work with a student. It's up to the student to qualify for the university and be eligible. And then it's up to the student to apply to the disability center. So once they apply and they're accepted, then the college gets to decide, okay, these are the accommodations that we can do off that summary of performance, and these are ones that we can't. So typically at the college level, the accommodations that are pretty common and most colleges allow for are gonna be things like extended time on tests, an alternate uh, placement to do the tests, um, priority scheduling, which is really essential, especially for those big universities. Um, sometimes they offer substitution courses for foreign language, which is excellent. Sometimes they offer note-taking support, but they're not going to be offering accommodations that are going to alter the curriculum, provide modifications, or do anything really drastically different. And that is the key. So when you're looking at the high school level and you and your child are at the IEP, you're going to be looking forward. What accommodations can we kind of pull back on? What accommodations can we work on so that my child knows that they can self-advocate? And that way, when you look at the colleges and you're looking around and you're visiting the colleges, it's not just about, I like the campus. I think it's awesome or I got in. It's about does this campus work for my needs, right? Going to the disability center. Okay, I like this program. This is really awesome. Knowing that you feel like you're going to be supported based on your individual needs. Some kids do really well in a big college and it doesn't matter that they have an IEP. They're able to self-advocate. They're able to navigate the campus. Other kids need a lot more support. And that's the interesting part is when you get to college, there's sort of three different levels of supports that you can get. All colleges that receive federal funding, and that's almost all of them because they offer FOSFA loans um, and so forth, they offer accommodations if you apply and you're accepted. 
but that would just be it, just accommodations. Other colleges will offer a little bit more support, maybe a disability learning center, maybe um, some tutoring here and there. And then other uh, colleges are fee-based, so such as the University of Arizona SALT program. That is a whole separate program, and it requires students to apply to that program after they're accepted in the university. And that offers tutoring, executive functioning support, um, uh, case carrier support. But the whole support system, even though you still have to um, pay on a fee-based, is still on the premise of students have to choose to advocate for themselves and students have to self-advocate for their needs. So that is the bottom line, folks, is that when we look at colleges and when we sit at those IEPs with our children, we really need to think about, okay, do we want to disclose? Does my child really feel comfortable and feeling ready? And if we do disclose, when we're looking at colleges, we need to look at everything, not just the name of the college, how reputable it is, or the fact that you as a parent went to the college, but what college works for my child, and also look at the disability center. And I definitely, definitely would suggest to all of you out there who have been told we don't, it's not a good idea to disclose that you have a disability. It's not a good idea to talk about on the essay when we're applying to colleges about the disability. I would say no. I would say, you know what? If this disability has helped you grow and this disability is who you are and you feel like as a student that you have improved yourself and you are proud of who you are, then talking about your story on the um, application essay is empowering. And I can tell you, Jessica, that I've worked with many families and students who said that they disclosed in their an essay about their disability and they told their story or they told how they were able to better prepare and work harder than other students in order to be accepted in the university. Those universities valued that and they found that those students were definitely assets and part of the university and they thought that was just as important as all the other things that we're told as parents to look for in a college in terms of grades, um, having great test scores. It's really about the work ethic and the motivation. Wow. So I have a, a question. So if you have an IEP, there are no IEPs in college. There's no IEPs at a private college or a public university or college. It is just accommodations, correct? Correct. And it is through the Section 504 plan, but it's not even like a 504 plan that you might have in high school. It isn't mm -hmm. really a document always that's written down everywhere. It isn't renewed everywhere. And it's just kind of accommodations that the student and the um, staff at the Disability Center come together on in terms of deciding what accommodations are needed. Okay, okay. Do you have any favorites in terms of schools, whether it's public or private, that you feel does a really good job with their Disability Services Center and with just with accommodations? Do you have any favorites? There are several universities out there. 
that are absolutely incredible with their services and supports. University of Arizona, um, that's where my son is at, has the SALT program and it's absolutely incredible. It's a 40-year-old program, so that's one of the beauties is that it's been around for a while, so it really understands the students. Um, and it is a fee-based program, um, but I would tell parents that Putting a price on tutoring and supports through a program, if you feel like your child needs the additional support, is so much better than erring on the side of saving some money and then having your child at risk to not, you know, not be successful. There's also other universities out there that specialize for students with learning disabilities, ADHD, being on the autistic spectrum. There are also other universities out there that specialize for students with developmental disabilities. Many parents are unfortunately told at the high school level, okay, well, you graduated with certificate of completion, you're not able to go to college, or you can only go to um, a junior college because you were not in A through G courses. And that is not true. There's many colleges out there that have special programs that provide access for students that may not get a bachelor's when they graduate from college, but because they have a developmental disability pro um, program there, they're able to enroll, they're able to participate, and they're able to be on a college campus and take courses and get some wonderful, wonderful transition and vocational skills just like everybody else. That's really good to hear. That's really, really good to hear. We need to hear about all the open doors that are out there because this transition is so scary. Every transition I feel like is hard, but it just, it gets weightier as our kids get older. So thank you for this. Is there anything that you've missed or anything that you want to make sure that parents hear? Do you have any favorite resources on this topic? Yes, I do. There's some amazing websites out there. Um, first of all, well, first of all, I'll talk about books. Um, Elizabeth Hamblett um, has a wonderful, wonderful book called From High School to College, Steps for Success for Students with Disabilities. And what Elizabeth does in her book is spell out all of the differences between high school and college, gives really some clear paths for what you need to work on, she also has amazing um, YouTube videos. She does counseling for students with disabilities. She also works with families. She's just absolutely phenomenal. I would definitely recommend her. Um, there's some wonderful websites out there. My Future Plan is really helpful in terms of resources for students. Going to College is another website. Transition Coalition is another one. And then also Office of Clients, Clients Rights or OCR has a wonderful website that works on 504 plans at college and really spells out for parents and students what is the eligibility and what are the required documents that you need moving forward towards college. Wow, those are really good resources. You are chock full of information. April, you are a wealth of information. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And we will make sure that if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, April, that they can contact you. And uh, we'll make sure we have that in the show notes as well. Excellent. All right. Well, good to be with you. Thank you for all this valuable information. I know that anyone who's listening, it's a little overwhelming, but 
it is all possible to get through this and to really advocate for what your child needs. Absolutely. Thanks, April. Have a wonderful day and we will see you again very soon at one of our resource groups. a great favor by leaving a review and a rating. It helps our podcast get into the ears of more and more moms. Also, if you have never joined the international community and sisterhood of We Are Brave Together, go to our website, wearebravetogether.org and fill out the little form to be a part. We are here to support you and validate you, encourage you, and give you resources for your journey as a mom. Thanks so much for listening.